This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am thrilled to be back, y'all. It's been a good break, but I cannot wait to bring you all of these amazing episodes that I have already started recording. And up first is Miss Christy Harmon, and Christy is a birth mom pregnancy counselor with Lifeline, and she is so amazing at this because she was adopted herself. So we're going to talk about her own adoption story and how it has molded and shaped who she is now and has led to her passion to help other women who were in the same spot that her birth parents were. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear her story and hope that you'll stick around for all of the other amazing episodes I have lined up for you guys. But for now, let's listen to Christy Harmon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Today, I am actually interviewing for the first time ever someone that I have never met before, and I'm really, really excited about it. So, hey, Christy, how you doing? I am so good. This is so fun. I love that I'm in my jammies and you can't see me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, girl, I, I'm in mine, too. It's good. Ah, so fun. <laughs> so much fun. Okay, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you are married and you have some fur babies. So, yeah, tell us about all that and what you do. I do. I do. I am married to William, who I have known and met since middle school. And we have been married now for six years. We got married when we were babies. We were 21 when we got married. And yep, no kiddos, but we do have Daniel Lipton Harmon and Douglas Burbanks Harmon. There are two little cats. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I don't even like cats, Alex. I don't like other people's cats, but somehow we ended up with a kitten and then another kitten. And I love my cats. (laughs) That cracks me up because that's what people say about their kids. You know, they're like, I like my kids, but I'm not a big fan of other people's kids. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow it just works like that. It's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. And then, so the big reason, you know, why you're here. So you were adopted. Yes, I was. And I I work in an adoption agency now. So I'm a pretty big fan of adoption for sure. Yeah. It came full circle on you. Absolutely. That is so cool. So yeah, I mean, let's jump into that a little bit. Just tell us, tell us your story. I guess, you know, your story would start at like the actual very beginning of your life, which is, which is rare on this podcast. So let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, my birth parents were right out of high school when they found out that they were pregnant with me. And um, my birth mom is a really incredible person and had wonderful parents supporting her throughout that. Um, But they kind of they weren't really sure what they were going to do. They considered parenting and didn't feel like they were equipped at that time. And so went to a private adoption attorney to find a family and had a super closed off adoption. So my parents came into the mix. They had um, found out that they weren't able to have children biologically. And so they started pursuing adoption and through an adoption attorney, they um, found out that they were matched with me. And so it was kind of fast and very closed off. They didn't know very much about my birth mom or my birth dad. And 
didn't at that point think that that was necessary. Um, that, you know, I'm 27 years old, so this is a long time ago, and not a lot of research had been done about adoption or what was healthy or what was not healthy. And so they kind of assumed, based on the wisdom of the attorney, that, hey, the faster that this is done and you know, your child's birth mom can move on with her life, the better it's going to be for everybody. And so um, that's that's what they did. And then when I was two years old, after the adoption was, you know, long finalized and they had not had any communication with my birth mom, my mom was just had a burden for my birth mom. And she had been praying for her a lot. And so she reached out to a friend of hers that worked in an adoption agency and just said, this is so weird, but I can't stop thinking about Christy's birth mom. And at that point, the adoption, the person that worked at the agency that she was reaching out to said, well, have you ever thought about reaching out to her birth mom and maybe sending letters or pictures? And my mom was like, well, I thought that that would not be healthy or not be safe. You know, I don't want to tread on any past memories that she might have. And so she, she, you know, the the counselor said, well, I really think that it might be good to give her that choice. You know, you don't know where she is in her life or what is going on with her. And so what if you reached out to her and just said, hey, we're willing. You never have to talk to us again, but just know that we care about you and we want you to be in the best place possible. So let us know if there's anything we can do to help. And so my mom did. She reached out to my birth mom and said, hey, if you ever want letters or pictures or updates about Christy, we are so open to that. We just don't want to intrude on your life if that's not what you're desiring. And my birth mom reached back out and was like, oh, my goodness, I never thought that you would ever even consider that. But I've been hoping for that. You know, just wow. I just if I could see one picture of her, I think that that would make everything so much easier. And my mom realized immediately, oh, my gosh, she's been grieving for two years, you know, and not seen pictures, not really had anything um, to hold on to, to know that her baby was even okay. And so, um, at that point they started exchanging pictures. Well, really my parents would send like a letter and pictures every, every few months, kind of at the, at different doctors, you know, whenever there was a birthday or a holiday or a big doctor's appointment or something like that, they would send an update to her. And so that was kind of their relationship with her. Um, it was still not super open. I mean, she wasn't really giving a lot back. Um, and, you know, I was never really a curious child. So I guess the number one question that I get is, you know, when did you find out that you were adopted? Was it a big secret and they surprised you and told you? Or was it something that you kind of always knew? And that's exactly how it was. We, I remember as a young child praying for my birth mom and my birth dad and just praying that God would bless them and that, you know, my parents would tell me the story about her and about how much she loved me and how she chose them to be my parents. And I think from a really young age, I, A, wanted a faith like my mom and my dad's. Um, yeah. And B, I just one. really, I, yeah, <laughs> they're really incredible people. Seriously. I hope you them someday. Um, and then I also always thought that my birth mom was a superhero just because of the light that my parents painted her. Um and some of the backstory, she did have a really hard, hard story, hard life. And there were things that at age appropriate times they told me. But from the beginning, um, I really just loved them and loved the fact that I was adopted. 
Um, and I always tell this story. This is so dumb. But when I was little, I was I thought that it was so cool to be adopted that I would play with my baby doll and I was rocking my baby doll to sleep one night. And my mom comes in and I told her, Mommy, I, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have a baby girl. I'm going to love her so much. I'm going to make an adoption plan for her. <laughs> and my mom was like, wait, whoa, <laughs> we need to do some more education and, um, you know, have have that conversation again in a little bit. But yeah, so that's so funny. Great being adopted. Yeah. And so, um as I got a little bit older, the conversations got a little bit longer, and I found out a little bit more of my backstory, and my parents were always super cool with it, super open. They would bring it up and just say, hey, it's you know, it's getting close to your birthday. I bet your birth mom is thinking about you, or, um, oh my goodness, you're really good at dancing. Did you know that your birth mom was a dancer? I bet you get that from her. And so they just bring it up in super normal, natural ways, so that I always felt like... I could ask questions. Um, and my little brother, he also is adopted. And he was the one who would ask them, just kind of gave them a run for their money and would ask them a million questions. I really didn't ask a ton of questions. I was pretty content as a child. And so my parents felt like when I turned 13 that it was time for them to tell me a little bit more of the story. And they had pictures of her and they really wanted to give that to me and um, I hoped that I would be able to have some communication with her. And so my mom took me out for my 13th birthday and she gave me a whole box full of letters. And there were letters from all types of people, mentors that I had had and my grandparents and friends, parents, just anybody that was really important and special in my life. And so all these letters were given to me with just encouraging words about um, who I was and um, just kind of what their hopes were for me, what they thought of me, all that kind of thing. And the last letter was in a big manila envelope, and it was from my birth mom. Um, and so my mom had reached out to her and just said, hey, we, we really want you to have a voice in her life because especially just, you know, hitting puberty and all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. Yeah. I think that they just thought that her voice was going to be a little bit more valuable to me than it had been in the past. And they were so right. And so getting that letter was kind of the first step of me directly having a relationship with her. And so I wrote her back and um, really all that she said in the letter was just that she was proud of me, that she was so thankful for my parents and just that she respected them so much, which is something that every teenager needs to hear. And um, then also a little bit more about the why of her placing me instead of choosing to parent me. And she wanted me to have a family that was able to give me everything that she knew that she couldn't. And at that season in her life. And um, so she, she kind of gave me a little bit more explanation. And then I wrote her back and we started having a little bit more of a back and forth relationship, but it wasn't until I turned 15 that I actually met her. Um, and again, my mom was the one who instigated that too. <laughs> she, um, sat me down one day and she said, Hey, you know, we're going to Florida for vacation and your birth mom lives in Florida. What if we asked her if she wanted to stop, if she wanted to stop by and we could just spend the day with her? What, what would you think about that? And, you know, when I talk to my parents now, I think their reasoning for being the ones to lead this discussion was so that they could be the ones to process afterwards because they knew that if I got to be 19 years old and 
um, went off and kind of did that discovery on my own, that that would be okay and that God would be so sovereign of that. But that when I found out hard pieces of my story or hard pieces of her story or things like that, they were going to be the ones to to process that with me. And so um, we drove the nine-hour trip down to see her in Florida where she lives. And that was a pretty long drive. <laughs> you yeah. know, what are I, you just never know what to expect. How are you supposed to – what are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to act? And I'd seen – pictures of her from when she was pregnant of me but not a lot of things since then and so we drove up to her neighborhood and I could see her from pretty far off, standing outside just leaning against her car with her arms crossed and very clearly waiting for me but also very nervous <laughs> and I got out of the car and I ran over to her and she just started bawling <laughs> and she um gave me a big hug and just said my name and honestly Alex it wasn't a super emotional moment for me in that it kind of, I knew it was supposed to, like, that this was big, that this was an important moment, but I hadn't felt that piece of myself missing, but I realized for the first time that she had, Yeah. Um, and I think that was the first moment that I really, I just, my heart kind of broke for her, and that I realized all of these things that she had left the hospital with empty arms, and that she had not known really who I was for two whole years. And then she was getting letters and pictures, but she wasn't able to make decisions or be at my games or whatever it was. And that really did hit me right there when I saw her for the first time. I hadn't thought through any of that. Um, And I'm so thankful that my parents were there that day because they were so great at whenever there was an awkward moment or silence or anything like that, they could jump in and tell a funny story from when I was a kid or something like that. Um, but it was just a really sweet day. Um, also a hard day cause I found out some, some other pieces of her story and just some of the, some of the things that are really, um, were difficult to hear for me to hear about her life. Um, and trying to kind of figure out how do I fit into all of that and what is my responsibility and all that and where do I go from there? And so, um, you know, that that really started kind of a relationship with her where I was directly texting her and calling her and um, getting to know her. But, man, my parents were always just so – such a home base for me, you know, such a place where I could go and process all the things that I knew about her and about my story and really am so thankful that they were secure enough to be able to – let me go on that journey and be the place that I always came back to. Um, so every time that I met with her, I also, she would always say, I really want you to meet your birth dad. I really want you to meet your birth dad. You should reach out to your birth dad. And, you know, at first I was like, okay, this, this is a lot. You know, I just met you and I'm trying to get to know you and trying to figure out kind of where I fit into everything. And I'm not quite ready for that adventure. Um, but it's so funny when I was that when I got engaged about seven years ago to my now husband, he was the one who was like, you know, I think that if I were in your birth father's shoes, I'd want to know that you were getting married. I think that that would just be important to me. 
And so he was the one who kind of pushed me and said, you should at least just reach out to him. And I was like, well, William, I have no idea how to do that. How does one go about finding their birth parents after not, or their birth father after not having any connection with him? And he was like, well, do you know his first name? I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know his last name? I said, yes. And he said, okay, there's this thing called Facebook. (laughs) Have you ever looked him up on Facebook? And I had not. I just had never thought of it. It never occurred to me. And so I did. I looked him up on Facebook, and he was the first person that popped up. Um, I had a couple pictures of him, so I knew what he looked like. And so then I was faced with, well, what do I do with this? Like, do I call him? Do I email him? How am I supposed to reach out to him, and what am I supposed to say? And so... I just wrote a simple thank you note to him on Facebook message because <laughs> I didn't, his email address looked like it might be kind of a family email address. And oh yeah, I just didn't know if anybody knew about me or what that was going to look like. So I just Facebook messaged him and told him about my life and said, you know, I have an amazing family. My little brother is my best friend and I got to go to the college of my dreams and my life's not perfect, but it is really sweet and really good, and I owe all of that to you. Um, and so put that out there into Facebook world, Yeah. and it took him, like, a couple months to respond. He, I, I guess it went to some inbox that he didn't see regularly, or maybe he didn't check Facebook, but it took him a long time to respond, and when he finally did... Um, he was just very, very, very grateful. And he thought that I was going to show up at his door one day angry at him for letting me be adopted. Um, and he had no idea just how good adoption was. I think he had foster care in his mind. So he kind of didn't know that I was safe or that I was loved or that I really had a family. Yeah. And so, so cool to be able to tell him, you know, no, I totally have a family and I'm so grateful. And I think that, um, you know, I'm so thankful that the way that everything worked out. And so then we went down to meet him after I got married and met him for the first time, which was so, again, just you're kind of catch up on somebody's entire life, but you're also weirdly connected. And so, um, met him. Then the next day met his entire family, found out that I was Hispanic and that they all speak Spanish and I do not. So (laughs) that was a surprise of adoption that I didn't know. That's Um, crazy. Yes. And so since then, it's been, you know, slowly building those relationships and trying to figure out what do boundaries look like and how do I incorporate them into my family and how do I love them well and, but also, um, you know, give them space and then give me space when we need it. And it's, it's a lot of trying to figure all of those things out, but I'm super, super grateful to, to know them and have them in my life. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. And so, I mean, that brings you to adulthood and then you yes. decided that, you know, adoption was just so awesome and cool that you had to have it every single day all up in your grill. totally that is my life now (laughs) so tell us about that yeah so I started working at Lifeline Children's Services about four years ago and I started out in more of an administrative role I was interviewing 
prospective adoptive families and helping them to kind of figure out where do they fit in in the adoption world. So, you know, they feel very strongly about that they're supposed to adopt or they're supposed to be involved in caring for orphans or vulnerable, vulnerable children, but they don't know how to do that. And so we'd walk through, okay, how do you know if international or domestic adoption is a good fit for you? Or how do you know if you should do adoption? So we, we kind of start there and I would answer all of their questions and I loved, loved, loved doing that. Um, and then I decided to go back and get my master's in social work. And that was when I started doing pregnancy counseling. Um, working with sweet mamas who were considering adoption for their baby. And that is such an amazing privilege. Um, man, just getting to start out with just hearing their stories. You know, why did they walk in through my doors and why are they why are they in a place where they're feeling like they're not able to parent? And so we start out really by weighing the pros and cons of adoption, parenting, and abortion, and um, talking through how oftentimes adoption can be a really amazing alternative to abortion. Um, And then, of course, considering parenting. You know, is it just that this is a temporary thing where they just don't have the money to parent, but that might change? And so, um, talking, talking through all of that with them and helping to kind of slow them down when oftentimes they come to me in a panic and remembering that they have a long time. Most of the time they come towards the beginning of the pregnancy and we have a lot of time to really think through, think about what's best for them, what's best for their baby. And, um, so we start off with option counseling, then walk through the matching process of adoption if they decide to do it that way. And that's going to look very different based on the girl. Some girls are going to want to um, meet several families or, you know, kind of narrow it down and maybe have Skype calls. And they might have a lot of questions for the families. Other girls just they see the family profile book and they're like, this is the family for me. Um, but they get to choose kind of how much openness they are, they have and they really are in the driver's seat of the process and are the ones who are choosing exactly what they want for their baby long term, which is so responsible and such an incredible parenting decision that they're making. You know, they, they aren't, um, a lot of people think, oh, well, they're shirking responsibility because they're choosing adoption. But I think that adoption is a parenting choice. It's just that you're choosing who is going to parent and, who, you know, how how are they going to take care of their child's education? They're choosing a family that can do that. How are they going to ch- take care of their family or their child financially? Um, all those types of things. And so it is so fun to be able to help them choose a family. And really, I'm just equipping them to be able to do that and watching them go through that process and being there to process those emotions and things like that along the way. And then I am actually typically there with them when they are delivering and they're with them in the hospital room. And some, some birth mamas, they have a super strong support system and it's, you know, a big, they have everybody in their family there at the delivery. And then other people, I'm the only one that's actually there with them at the hospital and they just don't have that support system. And so it is so amazing to be let into that kind of sacred space of when their child's being born and, um, then walking with them through grief support and counseling after the adoption takes place as well um, is a big part of my job. And so um, that is kind of a very small snapshot, not 
snapshot of what pregnancy counseling is like. Um, and now I'm in a role where I'm actually supervising our pregnancy counselors and doing some speaking with my parents at our doctor-parent conference and um, helping to put on Birth Mother's Day and things like that. Help it. And I'm also doing some counseling on the side as well. So that is kind of what my job looks like day to day, although there's never one day that's like the other. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, it will. And I can I can imagine that. And I I'm absolutely blown away by your story and a few things stick out. So first of all, I meant what I said that I want I want a faith like your parents because they sound absolutely amazing. Um, and a few things struck me about just their part in the story. And mm-hmm. the first one is just that they they seem to really, really trust God and not give way to fear which is so amazing because that's something that I struggle with. And I feel like so many people do. I mean, with my own adopted kids, I was even cringing a little bit at the thought of, of opening my, my heart up to that kind of hurt that could have happened, you know? Yes. Um, Yes. And I know that you are not them, but if you could, I mean, did, did you observe anything growing up that you think speaks to that just lack of fear in their life and trust for God? Because that yeah. that kind of incredible security is not an accident. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. And I think that is so all of us. You know, it's not natural to make decisions based on anything other than fear that something horrible could happen. And honestly, in my story to honor my birth mom, I don't want to share some of the harder parts of what happened, but it wasn't all, it wasn't all roses and easy and it wasn't for them. And there was a lot of hard things that happened that they had to walk me through. But I think one thing my dad says over and over again is that kids are on loan to us from God, whether they come to us biologically or whether they come to us through adoption or through foster care. The God of the universe chose them to parent. And so if the God of the universe saw fit that they were the ones to be mom and dad, they can have confidence in that and they can walk um, walk with their children through their children's story and, and know that, Hey, even if everything backfires, even if my kids hate me sometimes, even if they're mad at me or angry at me or I make the wrong decision, they are still, they are still given God's grace in each of those, each of those hard moments as well as the good moments. And so they, they are very open handed people. Um, and I pray and hope that I can be like that with my own kids and even just my own life in general. But the moment that we kind of start feeling our hands closing up and we try to control situations and we try to make things happen the way that we want them to, um, you know, that's when, that's when our fear takes over and our fear doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything other than maybe hurt the people around us. Um, and I think the other thing that is just so true about life is that Satan uses secrecy as a stronghold over our lives. Um, Absolutely. You know, when it's so easy to say, well, I don't want to tell my child that part of their story or, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about X, Y, or Z with my child that, that is hard and that most children don't have to be exposed to. I think that, that can often be um, seen and viewed by a child as there's something wrong with my story and therefore there's something wrong with me. 
Um, and whether we like it or not, where our kids come from, where I come from, my birth parents, that's always going to be where I started. That's always going to be a part of my story. And even if it's really, really negative, um, you know, I have a, we have somebody very close to us where the child was, um, conceived out of a rape and it was a really big news story. And how do you talk to your child about that? Those are hard, hard realities, um, but the beauty there is, is that God chose them to be their family and that that's forever. Um, and just like, you know, I got married to William and he's not my flesh and blood, but he's my family. That's exactly how adoption is. It's a choice to, to fight through those hard things and, and trust that God's going to take care of all the other things. Yeah. Oh, that's just so amazing. Cause I think about, uh, you know, and you, you had talked about gratefulness and how your parents were grateful for the um, the decision that your birth parents made. And I think that, you know, I know, you know, Sarah Avery, who was on um, yes. season one, episode three, I believe. And I mean, oh, gosh, out of all the commentary I get about every episode of this podcast, I get the most about hers. Um, yeah, she's incredible. She's such an amazing person. And she was the one that taught me how to look at, at my kids' birth parents with different eyes and not, mm. not just feel anger for them. And yeah, I think about it and both of my adopted kids have the same mom, but different dads. And that mom made different choices for each of them. One of them, mm. she willingly gave up for adoption and one of them, she didn't. Um, and I think, you know, I, I had talked to you before we recorded a little bit and I told you that my heart immediately changed when I saw her face after she, you know, we, we thought that she was going to be putting up a fight when we walked into the courtroom that day. And when we were told that she was there to sign over her rights, I just thought I was going to cry. Cause I, mm. I felt so wrong, you know, like how could I have trusted God that little, you know, that even if, even if that, even if she was going to put up a fight that he wasn't still God, you know, um, yeah. And I just, oh gosh, people could learn so much from your story and your parents' story. Um, just about trusting God that much. And, um, I wanted to jump over to you and what you do for a living, um, a little bit too. So I'm, I'm struck by how much you, your life is like foster care. You know, you're like these foster parents who willingly allow their heart to be broken over and over and over again. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine sitting across from moms and hearing their same, you know, not the same stories, but the same depth of sadness in their stories just over and over and over again and how resilient your heart must be. Um, and that's, that's so crazy that, that, I don't know, I'm thinking people tell foster parents all the time, oh, I couldn't get it. I couldn't do it. I would get too attached and I just, you know, couldn't be that sad all the time or whatever. And I'm sure people say that to you too. So what, what causes that resilience? Hmm. You know, I see my brokenness in, in their brokenness. And I've really, I sit across from these mamas and honestly, there's no such thing as a stereotypical birth mom. Women come from all over the place and, um, some of them are young. Some of them are 16 and pregnant. Some of them have other children. Some of them are young. Some of them are, you know, we had a 40 year old woman who she had a baby and it wasn't her husband's baby. And so she's placing for adoption or women who are living in poverty or women. It's all across the board. But the one common theme is that 
they're broken. And that's, that's truly our, all of our stories. You know, I think that, um, we're all so in desperate need of a God who will come into that brokenness and redeem and restore and reconcile us to him. And so it's not that I'm anything special. I just see my own brokenness in them and I'm reminded of the fact that I don't have to stay in that dark place. I don't have to stay there anymore because I am walking with Jesus and he he has redeemed a lot of my past. He's redeemed all of it and it's not fully restored. We're not in heaven yet, but there's so much deep hope and deep joy in relationship with him and walking with him. And I want that for these girls. I want that for these women. And man, to be able to also tell so many of them, you're doing something selfless and good. And for some of them, it's the first time in their whole lives they've done something selfless and good for somebody else or had somebody tell them that they're doing that. Um, You know, those of them who are living, who've lived in the cycle of abuse and poverty, um, I think that there is a beauty and a hope that comes from adoption and it's super messy and super, um, super not straightforward, but that is how God chose to bring us into his eternal family was through adoption and through, um, coming into our brokenness and saying, I still want you because you're valuable to me. And not only that, but you're an image bearer of me. Um, So, you know, go out. And so that's, I mean, that's my passion. I want these women to become disciples of him and I want them to, their adoption to not just be about their baby or about um, a fresh start for their own lives, but I want them to, I want it to make an eternal difference for them and for them to ultimately know the hope of a savior. And I can't do that without the adopting family being on the same page (laughs) and being, being, having that same heart and that same desire too. Um, because man, when they do that, well, it blows these women away. Um, and it's, it's not easy and it's not the same in every situation by any means. So it looks so different. Um, you know, how you love a birth mom or how you pray for her or how you talk to your child about her. But um, I think that I have to get to a point, and some of these girls are super hard to love for me. Some of them come easier than others, but I've got to get to a place where I see my own brokenness in their brokenness. And we kind of come together to the cross and say, okay, we need something bigger than ourselves to get us out of this mess. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I am and I don't do it perfectly like not even close I make so many mistakes and say so many things that I shouldn't or don't say things that I shouldn't but um, man God really does does clean up the rest I guess and um, use what's broken which is me (laughs) to glorify his name oh gosh that's so amazing to hear Okay. So let's, um, let's shift a little bit to, to those women. So, I mean, this is just kind of a practical question, but I want to know what, what are the reasons that people after talking to you, what are the reasons that people still choose abortion abortion? Yeah. So let me back up a little bit and kind of talk about how we talk to our girls about abortion. Um, and you know, I live in Alabama, so if you can't tell from my accent, (laughs) I live in (laughs) Alabama. So, um, you know, it's not real popular to talk about abortion, but, and I think a lot of, a lot of people are scared to talk about abortion with people. And so I bring it up with my girls. We start off the conversation with, okay, 
you are pregnant and you have three options, adoption, parenting, abortion, and abortion. And I want to bring that up because I know it's in their minds. I know that they've thought about it. I know that they have a friend who suggested it, even if they don't bring it up to me. So I don't want to wait for them to get the courage to say something or worse for them to not say something. I want to hear from them. And so we say, okay, which, which do you want to talk about first? And when we talk about abortion, I want to hear their reasons for considering it. Or, you know, if they're saying, well, I'm not interested in that, of course, those reasons too. But I want to hear those thoughts. I want to hear, you know, what are the goals that they can meet for their lives if they, if they do have an abortion? And what is so crazy that I never really thought about before I was in this role is that most of those reasons are good reasons. <laughs> most of those reasons are I don't bring a child into my horrible life circumstance, you know, which, uh, okay, I, I don't really want a child to be in your horrible life circumstance either. That's that's a valid thing. Or I don't want, um, you know, I, I've, I have been abused my whole life. I don't want my child to be abused. Or I don't have the money to financially parent a child. And what's so cool is I don't have to talk them out of it. I just have to affirm where they are. And then we move on. We move on to, you know, adoption. I say, what are your thoughts about adoption? And I can even affirm and say, it sounds like you care about this child already. You're already thinking about what their life would be like. And you're not wanting their life to be horrible. And so from there, we can talk about parenting. Okay, all the reasons you don't want to parent very similar typically to the reasons why they're wanting to have an abortion. But when we talk about adoption, it kind of throws them off because oftentimes the reasons that they're wanting to have an abortion can also be met with an adoption plan. But the difference is, is that that attachment that we've kind of established that they already have, it's, it's, you know, it's not having to be cut off and they still have options at the point, you know, if you, if you're nine months in, you still have two options. You can still choose to parent or you can choose to place. And so, um, so that's, it's, it really is amazing how, when we kind of talk through it, not from a fear-based place, but from a place of, I want to know them and their hearts and their lives it it really opens up the opportunity to be able to speak about adoption as a beautiful alternative to abortion. And of course, fear, we already talked about that. That's the reason why women women have an abortion, make an abortion or get a, get an abortion scheduled. Um that's because they're scared. You know, I think anybody would be scared if they their parents were gonna cut them off or if, you know, all their friends were gonna hate them or whatever the case may be. Um but my prayer is is that I can show so much grace to them and that we as an agency can show them so much grace and show them that their value is not based on their decision that they make, but it's based on who they are in Christ and who God made them to be. And that because of, because they have value, that means their child has value too. Um, but you know, we, we love those babies and we want, we want them to choose life for their baby, but we also want them to see their own life as valuable. And often until you do that and establish that their life is valuable, it's, you can't have that conversation about the baby's life being valuable because they're not going to get there until they realize that, that, um, that somebody cares about them. So Man, I feel like I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit when we have those conversations because I don't always have the perfect words. But um, I think that fear is the reason that women choose abortion. And 
um, slowing them down and helping them realize that they do have options, that they are um, that they are able to process and think through kind of long term what is worst case scenario. Okay, if your mom found out, found out, what would that really, really and truly look like five years from now? Um, and just walking through that with them. Sometimes, especially if they're young, they think, okay. My life is going to be over if I have a baby in high school and I'm what if I can't go to prom and all those kinds of things and helping them think through, okay, if let's say you had the baby today, you would want the baby to live to be 100 and die of old age. And so nine months compared to 100 years, let's kind of think about what that that is. And it seems like a long time now, but it's really not that long in comparison to a whole lifetime. But also validating those fears it's real they want to get a prom and I get that and that's hard and that's scary we need to you know acknowledge those hard emotions too so does that answer your question I I'm I kind of went around and about a little bit yeah absolutely no and I I think that the reason I was asking is I just wanted to know I I'm sure that statistically speaking you get to the end of those conversations and you've said all the right things and they have all the information and they still choose abortion. And that's really heartbreaking, but I feel like we as Christians and we as adoptive parents, we need to know the facts here. We need to know what's, what's, what's keeping these women and if from making the right choice for their baby, either to parent or adopt, obviously um, being one of two right choices, but Right. If there's anything that, you know, we can do and I don't I don't just mean practically speaking and that kind of I mean I do want to know the answer to that question, but then the next part is that, you know, how can we support the women who choose to parent? How can we support yeah. these women just in general? Because I think that, yeah. that that's a big problem is that, you know, we care about their baby but we don't care about them. And right. that needs to change. So yeah. I mean, yeah, say, yeah, say yeah. So say you've had this conversation, well, they have all of the information, you have said all the right things, and they still choose abortion. What What is scaring them? What is making them make that choice? You know, you mentioned just the church, and I think that there are a lot of girls who were raised in the church that have abortions. Um, yes, there are girls of all different ages, stages of life that choose abortion, but I think that people think that if you have a stable income, if you have um, some support from your family, from your friends, that you should parent. And there's not a lot of talk about the adoption option for women who whose circumstances are 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 it would be feasible for them to do it. Um, and the reality is, there are a lot of single girls out there that. They just, the thought of parenting is super overwhelming and the dad's not in the picture and, you know, the bills are, are maybe going unpaid and, um, but they're a part of a church and they're part of a body and they don't, they feel so much shame to be able to say that. And they don't want to say, I can't parent. (laughs) They don't want to give up. They don't want to say, that's not something that I feel like I can do because there is so much pressure to parent. Um, and so I think one of the best ways that we can as a church love women and prevent abortions is by not just presenting the parenting option. I think we uh, not and not that we have to suggest adoption, but hear out their thoughts on it and say, hey, you know, you've got you've got options. You've got you can consider parenting or you can consider adoption. And I don't know which one's right for you, but would you be willing to talk with somebody that has 
has walked with other girls in your place and in your your hard situation, would you be willing to reach out to somebody who can to a counselor like that? Or I feel like you you all could do that too as a church to be able to say, hey, you know, have you thought about have you compared and contrasted parenting versus adoption? And it doesn't need to be a judgment call. And ooh, you're not in a great place to parent. You should you should place or you're not saying, oh, you don't need a place for adoption. You've got your life together. It's not making a call one way or the other, but it's just by making it, hey, these are your options. And I really think that that's a great way to prevent abortions from happening is by taking the shame out of feeling like one option is not the best option for you. Um, and then the second way is just being willing to to immerse yourself in the life of somebody that's messy. Um, and I'm talking to a group of people right now who are involved in foster care adoption, or you're already doing that. But I think, you know, sharing your story about adoption, sharing your story about that you do care for people that aren't like you or that don't look like you or telling that to your church community and not just people who are also interested in adoption, but share your story with everyone that you know so that they too can, can see that, Hey, messy is hard, but it's beautiful and it's what we're called to. And then get in the trenches, you know, a single mama, you bring her dinner some nights or you help, help maybe watch her kids so she can go to the grocery store without little little hands all over her. You, Alex, I can bet you can imagine how nice that would be. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, all those little things, just being the body of Christ to people who are may feel like they're less than, even though we don't see them that way, and, and praying for our hearts to soften towards them. So, um, yeah, there's not, I don't have any specific advice on how do you prevent abortions from happening, but I think having a positive conversation and being super receptive to, hey, you're pregnant, this is not the end of the world, and you still have options. I think that that's a really great place to start. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And so I think that, yeah, that absolutely answers my question. And I had never thought of um, the people, you know, that's that's a great that's a great word on the women that it's feasible for them to parent and they're too embarrassed to say that they can't or they don't want to or something like that. And I mean, it reminded me, I, I, I knew of someone that was married actually, and they just, they just weren't ready to parent. And so they had an abortion and, um, and I can imagine that that would have been really hard for them to tell their, you know, parents who might have been excited that they were about to have oh a baby, goodness. but to say, yes. no, we're going to not have it or something. Yeah. You know? And to come alongside that person and just say, hey, I'm with you. And this is not, there's not an easy way out, but whatever you choose, I'm, I'm here for you. And um, I think that can go such a long way because there are so many, we just, you just never know when a woman comes to me, there are people that I think, oh my goodness, she's never going to play. She's kind of got her life together. And then the more I get to know her and the more I see her love for her child, maybe she just really sees the value of a dad being in the picture. And that's the reason why she places and, and that's beautiful and that's good. And that was God's plan for that child, you know? And, um, but that's a hard thing for somebody to say, I don't feel equipped to do it. It's just something that seems so, I, I have a hard time saying I need help or I can't do it or I feel like I'm not the best person to, to be in this role or this position. And so 
man, hard, hard things to admit for anyone, but let alone somebody when uh, being a mom is such an identity for so many people, you know? Absolutely. And so I have, I have kind of a practical step for those listening and I'm hoping that, you know, this, this reaches pretty far because I think that you have it covered where you're at in Alabama and, you know, I'm sure that they have it covered in a lot of other places, but a very practical thing. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, especially with Sarah Avery, but you guys do a birth mom day luncheon every year, right? Yeah. And so I, first of all, I think that that is absolutely amazing. I never knew that the day before mother's day was birth mom day. And I think it's just so cool. And I have already got plans to try and do that here in Northwest Arkansas, but I want to issue a challenge to anyone else listening to replicate this. And I would love it if you, Christy would tell us how. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is such a fun day. (laughs) And, um, you know, Sarah spoke a little bit about it, but just honoring women who don't feel like they've done anything worth honoring, um, is, is incredible because the reality is I've walked out with many, many women out of the hospital, their baby's still there and they're walking without with empty arms and they're doing it because they deeply desire for their child to have everything that they couldn't provide. And man, that's personal for me when I, when that happens, I I actually did that with a girl last year on my birthday and, you know, just walking with her in that was so, um, made me appreciate her so much. And so birth mother's day typically looks like, um, you know, everybody kind of comes in and is mingling. We try to we try to seat people pretty strategically so that some women who have a few more years under their belt since the adoption can sit with somebody who may have placed this year. Um, and we want to give them a really nice meal. We try to do it kind of a you know white tablecloth, candlelight um, brunch is what we typically do so that it's a really kind of slow paced meal so that they can share each other's stories and, and get to know the people at their table. And then we just do a short, a short, um, I guess, you know, we have a speaker come in. Typically it's a birth mom speaker who shares her story. Um, sometimes we have an adopted mom speak and they're not really sharing their story as much as just saying a thank you, you know, thank you for, on behalf of all adoptive moms, thank you so much for walking through the grief, walking through the pain. Um, we have a song that's played. We typically have a couple a couple songs or musicians that come in, and we just have some time of either worship or just reflective music time. And then we have some sort of activity. Um, sometimes we have them write down prayers for their child's life and tie them to a balloon and let them go. Or um, we'll do a candle circle where we'll have them each go around and, and share a little piece of their story um, or share something about their story that this year they want to be really intentional about praying through or grieving through or letting go. Um, and then um, we close by giving them a gift. Every year we have a theme of the the event and we have a little charm. So if they've come to ones before, they have already had the bracelet and are just adding on the charm of the year or if um that's the first one we'll give them a bracelet with that year's that year's charm and so if anybody out there is listening and is like i want to do that for birth mamas in my city i would be so happy to to send you kind of some more of the content of what we do and 
um, some of the templates of the things that we've done. So it's nothing super hard or super fancy. It's just trying to put together a little program that will be honoring to these brave, brave mamas who are, who's, you know, their hearts are walking around out there and they're not, they're not parenting actively. So that is birth mother's day. It's fun. So fun. Yeah. That's so amazing. And I love to hear Sarah talk about it because she, she just loves that. And that's so special that, that they have something that they can look forward to. And when I say they, that sounds really weird to say. I just mean that. (laughs) I don't mean like they other. I just mean that birth moms who have walked that path that I have not walked have something to look forward to and something with that they are honored and because they are worth honoring, just like you said. Yeah, that's that's absolutely brave, brave mamas out there for sure. Definitely. Well, okay. So Christy, where can we, I know, um, I know you have a blog and I did a little digging and it looks pretty amazing. So do you want to share that (laughs) link with the listeners? Yes, I do. I have a blog and it's, I like this and that.com. And so I share a little bit about adoption and a little bit about everything. So you can find me there and I think you can email me through there. Um, or you can email me at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y dot Harmon, H-A-R-M-O-N at lifelinechild.org. Awesome. And um, Christy, I'm so sorry. This is, I'm going to have Brian edit this out, but I just completely skipped section three with the question. So I'm going to have him put that ending after the question. So we can jump right into that now. Sorry about that. Okay. No, that is great. (laughs) Okay. So, um, all right. Are you ready for some closing questions here? Yes. Lightning rounds. Good deal. Lightning round. So what do you wish someone had just told you before you, um, before you started working at Lifeline and maybe before, before you knew that that's something that you wanted to do as a career and you just had your own experience, you know, is there, is there something that you wish some piece of advice that you wish someone had told you? Yeah, I think, that I am not that important. <laughs> and I know that that sounds like a weird thing to say, but um, God is so sovereign and I tend to take the weight of the world and the weight of other people's stories on me and on myself. And I feel a huge responsibility, especially when I'm facing something messy or something really heavy. Um, but God is so sovereign and he chooses to use us. He chooses to use me. Um, but it's not my responsibility what the outcome is. And he can work even when I make mistakes or he can use me and, um, something good can happen out of it. But I think just remembering, especially for those who've adopted before that you're not, you're not necessary to good happening to the person that you're trying to minister to or to love on. And that just takes so much pressure off of me to just be able to live out live out my story, live out my life, just being faithful and doing the right next thing rather than trying to figure out how to solve all of everybody's problems. Yeah. Gosh, that's humbling and relieving at the same time, which is the best kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And I did have a supervisor grab me by the shoulders and shake me and say that one time. She was like, you are not that important and not in a bad way, in a way that I hope is freeing to you. And so I'm forever thankful to her for saying that. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of thing that you're like, 
wait, I think that's a, that's an insult. And then you're immediately like, no, yeah. it wasn't. It was very freeing. Thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, God, that is written on a post-it note on my computer. I'm like, that, I'm not that important. And God is so sovereign. Oh, so amazing. Okay. So what is something you wish you had done differently along this journey of working with birth mamas? Hmm. Probably spoken less. <laughs> so many of these sweet birth mamas have never had anybody listen to them and demonstrate that what they have to say is valuable and important. And I think that I so often, just like we were talking about, I want to fix their situation when really they just listen to them and and value them in that way. And so I think I would have done that differently, just spoken way less, which is kind of an ongoing thing for me. I need to speak less. So I'll end the question right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. I think that all of us could uh, could stand to do that a little bit. Um, okay, so what is something that we as adoptive moms can do to help birth moms and make this process better for them? And I know we already talked about that, but if you could just yeah. sum it all up. Man, I think pray for them. Um, and I know that's super, that sounds super spiritual, but praying for them is going to soften your heart as adoptive mamas to them. It's also going to be an activity that you can bring your child into, um, And it's also going to just open up your minds and your eyes to ways that you can practically help them, Um, whether that's by sending them a card or whether that's um, emailing them or just sending a sending an update to your agency and it's sitting in your file for if she ever reaches out about it. Um, But I think praying for them and then also speaking positively about them to your children and to other people in their lives. Um, They have so many people who are prying into the messy parts of their story and who are judging them and who are thinking negatively at them, that if you can be a fan of theirs and their child can admire them and respect them for the decision that they made, I think that that's really, really beautiful and can be such a huge step forward in, um, you know, what, who they are and who other people see them, even just as a whole, how we as a culture kind of think of birth mamas, that can be a big, big, big and important voice. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, um, I'm still like processing what you just said. I'm trying to move on, but it's hard because I'm just letting it soak over me a little bit. Lightning round, Alex, lightning round. (laughs) All right. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive families? Like I said, if you could just sum it all up, how does what you do mix with what we do? Oh man. And this is so my parents talking, not me, because I have very little advice to give, but don't make decisions based on fear. And we really already talked about that, but there's just such a big God who cares so much deeper about your children than you do. And he knows what's best for them. And so making decisions out of that place of trusting and relying, relying on him um, is going to be a place of freedom for your child too. That's the biggest thing. I felt so much freedom to be able to bond with my parents by asking questions and by having those conversations. And I can't even imagine if, if they have been really fearful or responded with, oh, let's not talk about that or something like that. Um, if your kid's asking it, they probably are mature enough to know about it, at least to some extent. And so I would say age appropriate, tell, tell, their, tell your child their story over and over and over again. And um, 
The other thing, there's a book that I love, love, love. If I can give a book suggestion. Yes. It's called Telling the Truth to Your Adopted or Foster Child. Um, have you read that? It's by Cooper A. Fuller. I'm, I'm wondering so how I've never good. heard of it even because that's awesome. I'm going to link okay. to that in the show notes. It's because I'm old and because my parents are even older. And so that's probably why. But it is the best practical, like super practical. Like how do you talk to your adopted kids about sex, right? Like how yeah. – because you normally say when a mommy and daddy love each other very much – but that's kind of hard to do when your child is adopted and was probably conceived not out of a marriage. So, like, my parents would always say, okay, I cannot believe we're going down this path. I did not You know, it's to, fine. We're just going to roll with sidetracked. it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, my parents would always say, your, your birth mom and birth dad were, were pretending to be married. And that would be a part of our conversation when I was little. Yeah. <laughs> the pre- super practical things, I think, came from this book or equipping your kiddos to – talk about biology in school, even when they don't know a lot about their own biology. So talking about the, the roots of the tree are your, um, your adoptive family. And that's kind of who you are. But then the branches that you see are, are the, the birth family. And so, you know, you have brown eyes because your birth mom probably had brown eyes, but your values come from us. And so helping, even equipping your kiddos to, to be able to do exercises at school um, that may, could potentially be awkward for them if they're not equipped. So that's a really, really great book. And that reading that book would be a good, uh, would be something I would encourage everybody to do. Yeah. that book sounds amazing. I, like I said, I'm, I'm dumbfounded that I have never heard of it before, but I'm going to look it up like right now. So I'm excited. Yes. And do it. Let me know your thoughts. I will. I will. So Christy, I just have to tell you, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they are all amazing and they all have great things to, to share. And you, um, I mean, when I hear you talking, I hear Jesus and that is just so incredible. You have such a, um, I don't even just such a captivating personality that you just want to hear it more and more and more. So I'm so thrilled that I got to talk to you tonight. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I think the same about you. I feel like we could talk for hours. I'd love to hear every piece of your life and your story. And it's a huge privilege to be able to to share a piece of mine. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey and he is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at the adoptive mom podcast.com. Thanks again for listening.